Martin Lloyd-Jones was the minister at Westminster Chapel in London for over 25 years, starting in the 40s and going on into the, into the 60s. Martin Lloyd-Jones was an amazing preacher. He was a, an amazing man with a firm commitment to preaching the Word of God. And so on October 10th, 1954, Martin Lloyd-Jones began a sermon series over Paul's letter to the Ephesians, just like us, just like we're looking through Ephesians. October 10th, 1954, he began that sermon series. He finished it on July 1st, 1962. (laughs) Eight years and 126 sermons later. And just to make you feel a little more thankful for what you've got, most of his sermons were between 40 minutes and an hour long. So just keep that in mind. Martin Lloyd-Jones spent 17 sermons covering the prayer that we've been looking at over the course of this month. The prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14-21. through 21. So I might be tempted to say that if Martin Lloyd-Jones can spend 17 sermons that are twice as long as my sermons at least, looking at this prayer, then four weeks may not quite be enough. I would be more likely to confess that no matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how long you've been part of the church, this is a prayer that we need. It's a prayer that demands our attention. This is a prayer that begs to be prayed. And if we would be, we would be more faithful to our Savior and to His call on our lives and and His call for us to influence our world, we would be more faithful if we gave this prayer more attention, if we made this prayer our own. Again, it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, page 977 in those blue Bibles in front of you. This was Paul's prayer for a church that had been through an awful lot with him. A church for whom he wanted to see good things. He wanted to see good things in their lives. He wanted to see good things in the the way they impacted their community, the city of Ephesus. He wanted to see good things in the way that they loved each other. What Paul wanted for the Ephesians is exactly what we should want for our church, for for our community, for ourselves. And for that to happen, our prayers have to get beyond just simply praying about the sick. Although that's important. Our prayers need to get beyond simply praying about emergencies. Although those are important. We need to see a prayer like this as the heartbeat of who God has called us to be. This This prayer calls God into the heart of our lives, into the heart of our relationships, in the heart of our service, into the heart of our worship. Not just in in what we do here as a church, but in what we do as, as individual Christians. We can't be the people that God has called us to be without relying upon Him. And that's what Paul's prayer here for his friends calls us to. He calls us to rely on God. That's why we need to pray this prayer for ourselves. The the Christian life demands reliance upon God. Now I say something like that. The Christian life demands reliance upon God. And, and you think, well, that's obvious. <laughs> that seems very obvious. Duh! The, the Christian life demands reliance upon God. But it is so easy for us to simply become dependent upon ourselves. We become dependent upon our own intelligence, our own smarts. We become become dependent upon our own abilities. We become dependent upon our own resources. 
And it's so easy for us to make decisions based on what we know we can do, what we know we can afford, what we know we can accomplish on our own. But what does it look like when we completely rely on God for what we do here and for what we do in our, in our daily lives? What does faith look like when we rely on God? What does church look like when we rely on God? It has to look like something bigger than what you and I can do. It has to look like something bigger than ourselves and what we're capable of doing. And so in this prayer, Paul shows us the importance of seeking the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I I have a brick here. I have a brick. Uh, This is from our old building. Let me ask, how many of you have a brick from the old building? Does anyone have a brick? Yeah, a few of you have got bricks from the old building. We should get them all together sometime, see what happens. Uh, Donna Goddard made this for me. She didn't make the brick, but she decorated the brick for me. And, And I love this brick. It sits in my office. And there's a lot of history on this brick. It says at the top, the building was built with wood and bricks. Our memories of it are in our hearts. Our memories of it in our hearts will stick. But the love that is here, the love that is there is still just as strong. We will continue his work. The KCC will go on. And it says on the side, it says, Brett Hammond grew up in KCC, baptized at KCC on January 6th, 1984, ordained at KCC on October 23rd, 1988. He and Trish were married at KCC on June 10th, 1989. That's going to be 30 years really soon. I should write, someone remind me of that, okay? I probably need to remember that in another week or two. Um, Preached his first sermon at KCC on September 29th, 1985. I have in my possession the only recording of that sermon, and no one will ever find it ever again. It was awful. On the plus side, it was seven minutes long, so you wouldn't have complained. And preached the last sermon at the KCC building on July 17th, 19, or excuse me, 2011. The church building burned on July 22nd, 2011. But Kansas Christian Church is still working for the Lord. And then it says, thank you, Brett, for all you do. Thank you, Donna. It's a beautiful brick. I love that. There's a lot of history there. You know, but, but it's, still, it's still just one brick. There's not a lot of potential in one brick. There's not a lot of potential in one brick, is there? I mean, what can you do with one brick? You can make it pretty like this. You could use it as a doorstop. You could do violence with one brick. But you get a whole bunch of bricks together. You get a pile of bricks. And, and, and what are the possibilities in a pile of bricks? Suddenly you've got the possibility of building something, constructing something, maybe a home, maybe a church. In Paul's prayer, he's praying at the beginning of his prayer, he's praying for bricks. In fact, if you go back to chapter 2 where Paul really started this prayer, where he tried to get this prayer started, in chapter 2 beginning in verse 19, Paul says, so then you, speaking of the church, you people, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built like bricks, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so from there he begins this prayer in in chapter 3. And you realize he's not just praying for the church as a whole, he is praying for individuals to be 
built together, individual believers, individual bricks, and what they might become when they come together. When we slow down, and when we really pay attention to the details that we have about the church in Ephesus, we see a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress in the city of Ephesus. We go back to to the book of Acts, and we see that Paul was arrested in this town. Not just arrested in Ephesus, but a mob incited the entire town to turn against him. The entire town turned against Paul. And it was so stressful and so difficult for him that later he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, he says, I fought wild beasts in Ephesus. Now, Paul was not a lion tamer. He's not talking about actual wild beasts. He's talking about a, a spiritual battle that he endured in the city of Ephesus. He, he comes out of Ephesus a changed man. I, I really think that what Paul experienced after Ephesus was something akin to what we would call PTSD today. It was some form of post-traumatic stress that he had uh, from what he had gone through in Ephesus. And then he leaves Ephesus and the stress continues in Ephesus. Uh, Even though Paul is gone, the the people in Ephesus are continuing to feel the stress as they're trying to live by faith in a world that was very much turned against them. And so Paul's prayer here is a reminder that you're not going to stand in that kind of world. You're not going to stand on your own power. He begins in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. In your inner being. We would say in your heart, right? Uh, As opposed to, to physical strength. It is a prayer for courage. It's a prayer to stand for the right thing even when everybody else is doing the wrong thing. It's a prayer to stand for what's right even when everybody else tells you that it's wrong. He uses the same word in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, where Paul writes, Therefore, we do not lose hearts. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Our inner self. I think about all the prayers. Think about the prayers we pray today and, and the prayers we pray just about every, every Sunday. Those prayers are necessary. I, I think the time we spend together in a, in a pastoral prayer time is, is so vital to who we are and, and what we offer to one another and what we offer to the people around us. But I think about the prayers that we pray that are so often about our outer selves. And, and those are important. There are people around us and there are people among us who are, who are suffering. There are people with sickness. There are people with pain. There, there are people that are simply dealing with the difficulties of, of aging. But we cannot neglect to pray for the inner self, can we? We cannot neglect to pray for courage to face those challenges, to, for faith that's greater than, than the illnesses, for the resolve to get through anything, for the hope that carries us beyond just, just physical healing. That's what being strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being is all about. That's the prayer that enables us to stand against a world of darkness, which Paul's going to talk about in Ephesians chapter 6. That's a prayer that enables us to stand up to the temptations and the discouragements we face today. And and that by each one of us being strengthened in our inner being, we are therefore strengthened together. 
And we can be built together into the church that God has called us to be. And so as we each individually seek the power of the Spirit in our lives, together we're able to seek the presence of Jesus in our love. We're able to seek the presence of Jesus in our love. He goes on in verse 17. So that, so that, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be, you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Last week we looked at the dimensions of Jesus' love, the breadth and the length, the height and the depth of his love. There are a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about measurements. I don't know if you've ever stopped and looked at so many of these passages that, where somebody measures something in the Bible. In, in, in 1 Kings, we have the measurement of, of Solomon's temple. And then from, from there, from this measurement of Solomon's temple, we go into Ezekiel chapter 40. And in Ezekiel chapter 40, an angel measures the temple and and, and, and does this measurement of the temple. And then that vision kind of gets carried over to Revelation 21 where an angel comes out with a measuring rod and measures heaven, measures the new Jerusalem. And it's almost like just about every time measurement is used in the Bible, it is used to symbolize our inclusion in the presence of God. Where we fit in the presence of God. And, and the measurements just keep getting bigger and bigger and it's it's almost like God is always making room for us in His presence. That's the image we get over and over again when measurement is used. And so when we talk about the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ, I think we have to look at it and say this is His way of saying He's making room for all of us to be included in His temple, to be included in His home, to be included in His family. And so this, this portion of the prayer of seeking Jesus' presence in our love, this portion builds on the first. Because we have been strengthened with power by His Spirit in our inner being, therefore, so that the result is not just about us individually, but about us as a church. And again, you remember that language, being rooted in love, being grounded in love. It's not about just one brick. It's about the foundation that we build. And that rather, together, we with all the saints would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That we with all the saints would know the love that surpasses knowledge. This, this is going to sound a little biased, but I don't believe there's any way to know that love without the church. I don't think we're able to know that love without each other because the goal here is that we would show each other the love of Christ, that through our fellowship, through the way we care for each other, through the way we, we take care of each other's needs, we would come to know the love that Jesus has for all of us. That, that through meeting those needs, through encouraging people, through praying for each other, through sharing meals, we would share His love. And that one of the reasons why His love surpasses knowledge is because we can never stop growing. There's always going to be somebody else to love. Always going to be someone else to take care of. You go all the way to the end of the Bible, you find the book of Revelation. And, and Revelation was written to, to seven churches in Asia Minor. And in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we have letters that Jesus has, has uh, written or given John for those seven churches. And the very first church that's addressed, Ephesus. 
very first church addressed in the book of Revelation is the church in Ephesus. And as we read about the Ephesians, as John writes, as Jesus, as Jesus offers his encouragement, there is a lot of praise for the church in Ephesus. There is much that they did that was good. Ephesus is praised for their hard work. Ephesus is praised for their perseverance. Ephesus is perseverance. Excuse me. Ephesus is praised because they would not tolerate wickedness. It's a strong church. But then Jesus says, "I have one thing against you." He says, "I have one thing against you." In verse four, Revelation chapter two, verse four, Jesus says, "You have abandoned the love that you had." At first, they had forgotten that first and foremost, they were there to show each other the love of Christ. God forbid we ever get so busy that we don't have time to love each other. God forbid that we ever become so strong and so effective at, at being a church, but we do so at the expense of the love of Jesus. That instead, we should pray that as a church, we are always busy making the love of Jesus known. And so Paul's final element to this prayer is a reminder that, that we've faced before. And that reminder is, it's not about us. But as we find ourselves strengthened with power by the Spirit, and as we come together and explore the love of Christ, that we would never forget that we are to seek the praise of God in everything that we do. Now those last two verses of Paul's letters, of Paul's prayer here, the last two verses of his prayer, I hope they become familiar to you because we've been praying them every week. We're going to pray them again today. Every week as we close, this has become our prayer. And, and these two verses, I think they're very important. These verses are addressed to God Himself. Obviously, it's a prayer. But they're addressed to Him who is able. To Him who is able. But I don't think we can miss what, what this prayer asks of us. Paul prays, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's an incredible picture of the power of God in the face of an impossible task that's, that's before us. That impossible task that to have strength to stand against the world, to have strength that comes from the Holy Spirit within us, within little old us, within plain and, and insignificant us, Kansas Christian Church, really? For us to come together as one church, despite our differences, despite the things that divide us, despite even our, our conflicts, how is that going to be done? Well, make, make no mistake, it, it's not going to be done by us. It's going to be done by the power of God. God who specializes in the impossible. God who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or think. Let me tell you that there are possibilities for this church that you and I haven't even thought about yet. That's what that Scripture tells me. There are possibilities for this church that you and I haven't begun to think about yet. I know sometimes we get discouraged. And I'll tell you what the source of that discouragement is. The source of that discouragement is always what we're not. Every time someone's discouraged, it's about what they're not. Well, I'm not very strong. Well, I'm not very good. Well, I, I'm just not able to do that. 
And then we bring that kind of discouragement into the church. We say, well, we're not a very big church. We're not in a very big community. In fact, our, our little town is getting smaller all the time. And I don't know about you, but I'm not getting any younger. You know, we're not getting any younger. That's where discouragement comes from. You look at Paul's prayer. Is any of that a part of his prayer at all? Is any, I mean, you, you know the people in Ephesus were getting older too, right? You know things were getting tougher for them in, in Ephesus also. No, none of that's part of his prayer. Instead, who does he focus on? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You see that there's always going to be possibilities for us. Because there's always going to be new people to love around us. There's always going to be some new breadth to His love or some new width to His love. Some new height or some new depth to His love. Now, now I promise you, as I've been making these motions with my hands, it comes, I come to realize sometimes it hurts when I have to do this. Sometimes it hurts when I stretch things. Sometimes I have to go to a doctor and have him stretch me, you know, and, and, and pull and, and break things and crack things because, you know, it's getting harder for me to stretch. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes we're going to have to stretch and we're going to have to love people that make us very uncomfortable. Sometimes it's going to be difficult to do that. But I promise you, I promise you, sometimes it will stretch us. Sometimes it will be hard. But I also promise you that God can answer prayer. And He does that when, when we surrender everything, everything that we're not to all that He is. When we surrender our own strength, so that we can be strengthened by His Spirit. When we surrender our own needs so that we can seek and meet the needs of others and, and show them the love of Christ. And so, and so it's through us as the church that the glory of God is seen. And this prayer is answered within us through His power. And God receives the glory. God receives the praise. I know it's real easy for us to look at this prayer and say, well... That's something that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago to a bunch of people that lived a world away. What does that prayer have to do with you and me? Well, do you notice verse 29? Or sorry, 21, excuse me. Verse 21. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. All generations. Even ours. I'm convinced this prayer is not just for the Ephesians. This prayer is for us. All generations. That includes today. That includes here and now. If we desire God to be glorified here today, if we desire God to be glorified in, in, in our community, it's going to come through His church. People empowered by the Spirit showing each other His love and letting God glorify Himself in ways that we haven't even thought of yet. He says there in Ephesians 3, 18, he prays that we would have strength to comprehend with all the saints. That's us, even you, all the saints. That we would have strength to comprehend the love of Christ with all the saints. He says that in, in chapter 3, verse 18. And if you jump ahead to chapter 6, verse 18, Paul says there, keep on praying for all the saints. Keep on praying for each other at all, at all times with all kinds of of prayers. I want to encourage you to do that today. To keep on praying for each other 
with all kinds of prayers. Pray for each other with all kinds of prayers. Not just in sickness. Not just in pain. Not just in the physical needs. But pray for each other on all kinds of occasions with, with all kinds of prayers. Pray for each other to be strengthened in your inner being through the Spirit. I think it would be wonderful. I think it would be wonderful if someone came up to you today and said, I don't know you. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm praying for you. And I'm praying for God to strengthen you. I don't know what's happening right now, but I'm praying for you. I think it'd be wonderful if someone came up and, and said that to someone else today. I don't know what you're going through, but, but I don't know what you need, but I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. So that whatever you're facing today, and whatever you're facing tomorrow, you'll know that you're facing it with His power, and you're not going to face it alone because we're going to face it together. That's a prayer that will glorify God. That's a prayer that will strengthen His church. And that's a prayer that will allow us to make the love of Jesus known to the people that we love, the people who are around us. Let's stand together. We're going to pray. Father, if we make this prayer about what we're capable of doing, then we, we might as well not even pray it. If this is just about what we can afford or how much we can love on our own, then we don't need You. But Father, it can never be about that. We are always going to need You to take us beyond our own abilities, beyond our comfort zone, beyond our own love, and into what is beyond our asking, things we haven't even thought of asking yet, and what's beyond our imagination. So Lord, build us together into the church that You need us to be so that those around us can know the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge. Can you pray these words with me here at the very end? Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.